Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that there is power in your word, Lord. Thank you that there is power in your word to set us free, Lord. Thank you that there is power in your word to give us comfort, Lord. Thank you there is power in your word to heal us, Lord. Thank you that there is power in your word to give us hope, Lord. Thank you that there is power in your word to restore us, Lord. I just pray in the name of Jesus this morning for open hearts, Lord. Where some of us have come in here heavy burdened, distracted. Some of, some of us might feel condemned, Lord. Thank you that this morning you are the lifter of our heads this morning. Thank you for the price you paid 2,000 years ago on that cross. Thank you that you took our sins, Lord. And thank you there is no, now no condemnation to those that believe. Father God, I just pray specifically for those this morning that feel condemned. Holy Spirit is saying, I paid, I paid for your sin 2,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. There is no need for you to walk in condemnation. I am the lifter of your head. Amen. Receive that forgiveness right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 The title of my message today is The Restriction Has Been Lifted. Amen. Over the past two years plus, we've experienced experience a lot of restrictions, haven't we? Yeah? Yes. When we think of restrictions, we think of one word. COVID. Yeah? COVID. But today, the restriction has been lifted. Jesus lifted that restriction 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. When you look back into the Old Testament, you see that there were many restrictions, many, many restrictions. In the time of Moses, God instructed Moses to build a tabernacle in the wilderness. And there was a ritualistic, sacrificial process involved. They couldn't enter into the holies of holies. Only the priest. But Jesus came, and that's the good news of Christmas, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Jesus came, God came down to this earth 2,000 years ago as a baby to walk this earth, to show us who the Father was, to die on the cross for your sin and for my sin so we could be in communion and relationship with God. It says in the Bible in Romans that all have sinned. When you're born into the, this world, even the little babies and the toddlers at the back, everyone has sinned. You're born into sin. Because God is such a holy God and a just God, there needs to be a price for that sin. That sin needs to be paid for. And that's why Jesus, the perfect man, God-man, incarnate, came down and paid that price 2,000 years ago for your sin and for my sin. And what a great Christmas present. I just urge you this Christmas, if you don't know Jesus, I urge you this Christmas to accept that gift. 
that Christmas gift of salvation. And that's all it is, is acknowledging, number one, that Jesus walked this earth, that he was the Son of God, that he died on the cross for your sin and my sin, that you accept this truth, you repent of your sin, and you acknowledge that he raised on the third day, and that he is God. And once you do that, he comes in and he lives on the inside of you. What an amazing gift that is this Christmas. The greatest and the biggest gift. I've got a 10 year old daughter, her name's Hannah, and every year she provides me with a long list of everything she wants for Christmas. And the list is ever so long this year as well. <laughs> and I've said to her, I'm not promising to get you everything, some of the things. She's got a long list. <laughs> and on top of the list this year, as if ran there, we were talking about this yesterday, weren't we? A hoverboard. Who knows what a hoverboard is? Some of you? A hoverboard. It's like a skating board, an electrical skating board. That's the top of her list, a hoverboard. What's on the top of your list this Christmas? Hmm? What's on the top of your list this Christmas? The greatest gift you could ever have is the gift of salvation. Peace of mind, knowing that you're right with God. And when you do this, God will lead and guide you through the rest of your life. It's the journey of walking with the Lord. If we can put Exodus 40, um, Victor, up, verse 33 to 38. This is the story of the people of God, the Israelites, in the Old Testament. So they were in captivity in Egypt, they were in bondage, and God took them out. Moses took them out into the wilderness. He led them out into the wilderness. And he made provision for them in the wilderness. This is a God, this is a saviour, that when you give your life to him, he leads and he guides you. Let's read Exodus 40, verse 33 to 34. Then he hung the curtains forming the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar, and he set up the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard. So at last Moses finished the work of building the tabernacle. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle. Now that cloud is the cloud of the presence of God. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Could you move it on, Victor? Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud has settled down over it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise, that it stayed, they remained where they were until it lifted. Don't you wish, Santos, that you had a glory cloud cloud in your life? <laughs> believe it. Wouldn't that be great? The cloud rests on your head, you stay. The cloud lifts up, you go. That would be fun, wouldn't it? But that's the Old Testament, isn't it? We have now 
We are the tabernacle in there, aren't we? We've got, amen, we've got Holy Spirit inside of us. We don't need a cloud that comes and goes. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, keeping shade for the people in the wilderness because the sun was hot. And at night, fire glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all their journeys. Amen. Praise God. You see, he's a God that leads and he's a God that guides. The Lord is always leading his people. It's the same God in the Old Testament as in the New Testament. His character doesn't change. The Lord is leading his people. Have you this year felt the leading of God in your life as believers? Put your hands up if you have. Many of you have felt the leading of God in your life. Allow God to lead you. I believe this morning God has led each one of us this morning to this very spot, this very place. I truly believe that. He has led you by his Holy Spirit. And this morning you might not be a believer, but hey, guess what? The Spirit of God is on your case. And it's no accident that you're in here and you're sitting in here. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God has marked you and you're sitting in here because he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Yes. It says in Jeremiah 29 that all the plans that he has for you are good. To give you hope and a future. So it's no accident. Even if you don't know this, this Jesus. It is no accident. The Spirit of God is moving in your life. Amen? Leading and guiding you. Like I said, it doesn't matter if you're not sure about Jesus. God is working in your life. It says in John chapter 10, verse 27 to 28... My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. What does it mean to have eternal life? It means if you're in here this morning and you don't know where you're going when you die, God, Jesus comes and gives you eternal life. It says in the word of God, Excuse me very clearly. There is heaven and there is hell. Jesus came to die to pay for your sin. And as you receive that gift of, of salvation, you go and spend time with him in eternity, in heaven. I urge you today, if you don't know where you're going, I encourage you today, receive today this gift of salvation. Knowing that your eternal life is in safe hand and you're not perishing. And once you do this, no one can snatch them away from me as you walk with God. Amen. Isn't that good news? Yes. Amen. Amen. Doesn't that give us hope this Christmas? Amen. Yes. In the midst of turmoil, in the midst of wars, in the midst of suffering, let's cling to the gospel of Jesus Christ this Christmas. Let's keep our eyes fixed on the cross. 
Let's keep our eyes fixed on the story of how Jesus came to this earth to die for you and me. What hope we have. What hope we have. What good news we have. My sheep listen to my voice. Have you ever listened to the voice of God, but you've not? You've been an awkward, stubborn sheep. <laughs> you've not maybe obeyed. The sheep, not only do they listen, but they go with it. They obey. They say yes. Yes, God. Yes, God, I'm going to be in the house of God on Sundays. Yes, God, I'm going to start that business up. Yes, God, I'm going to evangelise to my neighbour. Yes, God, I'm going to invite that person to the house group. Yes, God, I'm going to start a house group. And how amazing it is now that we are in a season of people have passion and burden and have said yes to God, to opening up their homes. You've said yes to God and God is smiling down and saying, well done, my faithful servant. Well done. He's always leading us. He's always leading me to be kinder, to be more generous, leading me to be more disciplined in areas that matter. Do you know what? He's always leading his children. He is leading me. He is leading me. Number one. Number two, boy, do I need his leading. Amen? When we don't follow Jesus, when we don't follow the instruction of God, and we go about the things our own way, we end up doing really silly things, don't we? Because we haven't really allowed God to lead and guide us. And a lot of the times, maybe we've wasted money, we've wasted time, all these things could have been saved if we had led, allowed God to lead and guide us. How many friendships and relationships that we invested time in because we didn't let God lead us? But God is a faithful God. He's a God of the second, third, fourth chances. You know, even look at the, um, the story in Exodus of how he led his people in the Old Testament, in the wilderness. In the wilderness. In the wilderness, he said, build a tab tabernacle for my glory to dwell. And I'm going to put a provisional tent in the wilderness, a place where my presence will rest in the holy place, where they can meet with me. And when they mess up, they can give animal sacrifices. And of course, all this is pointing to the ultimate re revelation of God in Jesus Christ our saviour born in a stable in Bethlehem. He loves us so, so much and he wants to lead and guide us just like he led and he guided the Israelites. It makes me sometimes think of God loves us, right? And his love for us is unconditional and is set in stone. 
But sometimes, He doesn't give us kind of the full freedom that we can experience because sometimes the amount of freedom he could potentially give us would actually lead us astray because we can't handle that amount of freedom, if that makes sense. You see, relationships change and they grow. And as we walk with God, our relationship with God changes and it grows. We get to know God more. And as we get to know God more, he trusts us with things. As we mature, he gives us more of his freedom to make choices. You think of raising like um, teenagers. How many of you are raising teenagers in here? Yeah, come. Priya. <laughs> you see, Priya and Manish love Victor full stop, unconditionally. Okay? There's no question about that. Their love for him is unconditional. Right, Victor? Right. It's the same. Jesus' love for us is unconditional. But his freedom is not set. His freedom is contingent on his behaviour in certain areas, right? You're not going to give him the full reign of the house, are you? No. Priya says, no way. You see? No way. And there are conditions. As Victor matures, you see, and as he demonstrates, number one, respect to his parents, respect, respect mum and respect dad, as he grows in responsibility, as he takes care of the things around the house, as he does his homework, as he revises for the tests, as he is faithful over little, amen? He can be faithful one day over much. And it's the same thing with God. If you prove to me you can do the little things well, then I will trust you with a bit more. Little by little. One, respect. Two, responsibility. And three, trust. Can Manish and Priya trust Victor? You see, trust, maturity. God's love for you is always set. Always set. But God requires a level of maturity. Yeah? For him to trust you with greater things. It says in Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Amen. His love is set. Christ has died for us. That's set in stone. You can't take that away. His love is protected. It's unconditional. It's purchased with precious blood. You see, Moses said to the Lord in the Old Testament, 
God, show me your glory. Exodus 33, verse 12 to 18. Show me your glory, God. And the wonderful thing about Jesus is, in John chapter 1, verse 14, John chapter 1, verse 14, He is the manifested glory of God. Amen? <laughs> he is the manifested glory of God. So the Word became human. God became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And we can experience that glory for ourselves. When we accept Jesus into our hearts, when Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us, we can experience that glory within. In the Old Testament, Moses had to ask God, show me, God, I need to see your glory, and he did on Mount Sinai. But as New Testament believers, this is now a new covenant. We get to experience that as we walk with Jesus, as we talk with Jesus, as we talk to God, as we talk with Holy Spirit. We get to experience that fullness where the Old Testament, they couldn't experience that. They had to kill goats and sheep and pigeons and all the rest of it. Praise God we don't need to kill any animals today. One, there was one sacrifice and that was Jesus Christ on the cross. The text says the invisible, which was God, became visible. He became visible. He was in Mary's belly. He came out, he was a baby, he was visible. In other words, God became human. The divine has taken up human nature. He knows what it's like to grieve. He knows what it's like to be in pain. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. You see? He knows what we're going through. He knows the tears we've cried because he has been, he's human. He can relate with us because he has been there himself. We can experience this for ourselves. We can experience the glory of God for ourselves. When you read the New Testament, you read the accounts of the disciples. These are real life accounts. These guys walked with Jesus, they experienced Jesus, and I just want to tell you this morning, man, Jesus is real. It's not a religion, it's not ticking boxes, it's not doing things well and good all the time. It's being in a living relationship with God. It's alive. It's real. When you read the Gospel of John, you read it, and that's in the New Testament. He writes what he sees. He writes what he hears when he, when he speaks with Jesus. He's seen things with his very own eyes. This is proper historical account that truly did happen. He writes how, how he feels. 
he, he writes about Jesus walking on the water, Jesus rising from the dead. These are not just fairy tales, these are not just legends. These are not just things we make up. These are, these are things he's seen for himself firsthand. And we today can experience the very same thing with a God that's made you and with a God that's calling you into relationship with himself. I don't know about you, but I love hearing testimonies because it's people's real experiences with a living God. Amen? Yeah. I think it would be, I'm just going to invite our pastor, Pastor Marita, up um, so she can share her journey of how she met Jesus at a very young age and her journey with Jesus. Um, and I'm just praying that this will touch your heart and you will encounter him for yourself. Thanks, Marita. As I grew up, I, I remember distinctly having a lot of questions going through my head and I was asking, what is the purpose of this life? You know, people go to work, come home, eat, go to bed, and next day it's just the same thing. All one, all one. And I was deeply questioning, what is the purpose? There's, there's going to be more. Is there not more than this? And I was having these deep questions. Uh, the home I was brought up in was a little bit religious because the state religion in Denmark, where I'm from, is the Lutheran church. And every now and then, you know, we had to go to church. But uh, we were five children, but most of the time we were like, oh, mom, we just want to stay in our bed. We don't want to get up on this Sunday. But every now and then we were told we had to do it. But there wasn't, when I went, there wasn't any uh, life there. There wasn't religion. And my mother um, didn't have any good health. She was very ill. And she wasn't able to take very good care of us. And then one day she went to a different church. She had been reading the newspaper and then she saw in the newspaper that there was advertising a special healing meeting. And God spoke to her and said, if you go, I will heal you. So um, she persuaded my dad that she could take the car and go to this church. But my dad told her that she was a bit nuts to go to this charismatic Pentecostal church. You know, they are really nuts there. So, but anyway, she went. When she came back, she was healed. She was healed. She was healed. A few days later, some of the officials from the Lutheran came to say, God doesn't heal anymore. I'm so glad they came too late. Do you think she was going to give away a healing because they don't believe it? She was healed. She was healed. Now, I was just a child. All I can say to you was, before she couldn't take care of us, she was struggling to keep up with the washing, the cooking. You know, in those days you didn't have all the benefits that you have today, the automatic machines and everything. She was really struggling. I could see a change. She could do these things. That told me one thing. There's a God. 
Dylan said, God, I felt in my heart something, but I couldn't explain it. So I said, can I come with you? So I went with her to the church. I went to these meetings, and I could just feel something in the room. I didn't really understand anything, except now looking back, I realize the reason that I felt so uncomfortable was because I knew I was in trouble with God. I knew that if, if I was to be knocked over by a bus, I would be held accountable by God for my life. And I thought, what will I say? What can I say? What can I do? I knew I was in trouble. And I was torn between, at school, I didn't know anybody that were born again Christians walking with Jesus, nobody. So I thought, if I decide to walk with Jesus, I'm going to have no friends. So I want to stay in this camp here because I want to have friends. I want to be popular. On the other hand, I'm in trouble with God. And they can't help me. When I stand before God, they are not going to be there. I have to be accountable myself. So I was torn between the two. I felt God calling my life. And I didn't know what to do. And I didn't understand. I didn't understand that Jesus had died to save me. I didn't understand that. I just knew that I wanted to follow him. And they said in the meeting, they said, if you want to give your life to Jesus, walk forward. Walk forward. And my heart was going, really? Because this was decision time. You see? It's a decision we make, a conscious decision. It's not just something that happens. You decide under your own free will. And so it was really... And I thought, I must follow. I must follow him. I have to follow God. And I walked forward. As soon as I walked forward, just like that, the peace of God came. They read scriptures for me and they explained I didn't understand anything they said. I understood nothing. I was 12 years old. I didn't understand. It was like reading the equivalent in English of a King James. I didn't understand. Except I can tell you this. I had peace for the first time, for a long time. I had peace in my heart. Why? Because I yielded to the call of God. That was the beginning of the journey. I completely underestimated how good he is. I completely underestimated how wonderful it is to walk with him. I've discovered that since then, one by one, the people in my family surrendered their lives to Jesus. My mother was the first one, I was the second one, and then my other sister, and then my brother, and eventually my dad realized that what they had been taught they had been taught that when you get christened as a child, that's your ticket to heaven. I was kind of exaggerating a bit, but that's what they believed. That's what they were taught. And then he realized that he too had to make, my father realized he had to make a personal commitment himself to Christ. Because Jesus said, you must be born again. So he did. And my father and I were baptized in water at the same time. See, God is so good. I have never regretted that. 
I'm so grateful to the Lord that he called me. And I'm so grateful that he called me at a young age. Because he saved me from a lot of trouble. So I just encourage you today, if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, when he calls you, that's the time to do it. That's the time to do it. And it's the grace of God that he calls you. Give your life to Jesus today. You will never look back because it's wonderful to walk with him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Marita, for sharing. Um, and I believe this morning God is calling, calling some of us here. He is calling. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you feel kind of the Holy Spirit. You feel something different. You must probably wonder what is the Holy Spirit, but it is the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God calling you into that relationship with Him. Um, and age doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. My Hannah, I think she was, she was very young when she gave her heart to Jesus. Very young. She was, she was four. Um, even a child, even a child knows that they're in need of a saviour. Do you remember, Victor, how old you were? Rough estimate. Does mum maybe know? Around four. Around four. You're never too young and you're never too old. Amen? Yes. Never too old. So this Christmas, he is God Almighty. He is Emmanuel. He is, you see this on Christmas on cars, don't you? Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is God most high. But on the other hand as well, he is God most He's a big God, but yet he's such an intimate, intimate, personal saviour. It says in Galatians uh, chapter 4, verse 4. If you could put that up on the screen, Victor, thank you. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject Subject to the law. God sent his son, born of a woman, born of a virgin, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights as sons. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6. It says, Jesus... Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Another translation would be, Jesus made himself nothing. He humbled himself and became obedient to death. And that is death on a cross, to pay for your sin and my sin. He became touchable. He became approachable. The disciples sat with him with him. Think about this. The omnipresent one downsized to the confines of a human womb. 
The omnipotent one became a helpless baby that had to be fed and nursed and most probably burped as well. The omniscient one had to learn to read, to write, to do his maths was probably as well, his arithmetic. He became nothing. Why? He became nothing so that you and me could become something. It's all about trading places, you see. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says, He who knew no sin became sin. He took our junk, he took our stuff on him. Became sin for us so that we be could become the righteousness of God. In other words, Jesus makes us a deal we can't refuse. We can't refuse it. We can't refuse it. And he's saying today, give me all your sin. Give me all your sin. Accept this gift and I'll give you my righteousness. Mm -hmm. Dick Forth says, he came to our place, which is earth. He took our place, which was the cross, and he invites us back to his place. That's beautiful, isn't it? This is the gospel in a nutshell. A.W. Tozer says, the greatest gift God gives us is the present, the present, or the gift of presence. Jesus says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. The Holy Spirit, when you accept Jesus into your life, the Holy Spirit is our 24-7 counsellor. He is always on call before you go up this morning and after you go to bed tonight. He is interceding for you. What a great gift to have this Christmas is the gift of the present, of the presence of God. You see, the greatest gift a parent can give a child is the present of their presence at home. If the, if the parent's always working, all the time, the, the child feels inadequate, they have low self-esteem, but when the parents are present, with their presence, the child <coughs> flourishes and becomes everything that child should become. You see, and that's what the presence of God does in our lives. It nourishes us, <coughs> It nurtures us and it fulfills us. Amen? Amen. I'll finish with a, a Christmas verse, Luke 2, verse 7. She gave birth to her first child, a son, and this last Mary of She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Jesus, God, became flesh, born in a manger, not a posh hotel or an Airbnb. He was born in a manger. 
for you and for me. Shall we bow our heads and close our eyes? And for those of you this morning who, who, feel, who feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit and you've not given your heart to the Lord, I would like to lead you in prayer because sometimes there are divine opportunities in life and we, we're not certain that we have tomorrow. We're really not. So let's be still for a moment.